the way that you find your voice, the way that you become the woman who feels amazing in the room tomorrow is by navigating not feeling amazing in the room today. You get yourself to do the harder thing by having a source of motivation that motivates you on a deeper level and that is more powerful than your motivation to avoid the discomfort. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Artist Speaking Up podcast. It's good to have you here. I'm Jess, if you're new. I am the host and creator of this show. I'm also a career coach for women. I help women in the nine to five space build confidence, find a super powerful voice, and get on a very upwardly mobile career trajectory so they can become leaders and do amazing work and have big impact and make lots of money and have all the things they want without sacrificing their authenticity and really doing it in a way that feels in integrity and strong and good inside. Oh, that is just what I am about. I'm so looking forward to sharing today's topic with you. We're going back to basics and I'm just in a very happy and excited, not excited, just like content and happy mood right now because I am starting to get ready to onboard the women who have joined the Art of Speaking Up Academy. And I just feel like I'm in my own next evolution of this work. And I feel so excited for what's to come, both in what I'm going to be creating and hopefully what you're going to be receiving and experiencing as I go deeper into the podcast, deeper into coaching, deeper into this work. And today we're really getting back to basics. We're getting back to this question of speaking up more in meetings. And what I was realizing is I was planning different episodes and topics that I wanted to share on this. And I realized there are some foundational things that I probably want to share with you first before I get into the more advanced content and advanced things that I'm planning to share with you in future episodes on finding your voice and being like this super strong, effective, badass presence in meetings. And so today I'm sharing something really foundational, which is how you find the motivation to speak and contribute in a meeting. So I have a lot to share. So I'm just going to like dive in, right? I'm just going to start with the first thing, which is that the main thing that I see that keeps people stuck for longer than they need to be stuck and that prolongs their process of building confidence is that they have an error of logic and an error of thinking in their mind. They have a belief about how speaking up and how the confidence building process should look that belief is incorrect, and that belief keeps them stuck. And a lot of us have this belief. This is something that I think we all fall into at different phases of life and our careers and our growth. And the belief is 
that you should have a good feeling first and that that good feeling will be the thing that fuels you to take confident action. So in other words, you will be sitting in the meeting and you will feel strong and solid and amazing and you will speak up and it will sound strong and solid and amazing. And after you say it, you will continue to feel strong and solid and amazing and behold, your confidence building journey will be underway. Now, (laughs) that is not to say that, and by the way, spoiler, that is not how it works. That is not how I do growth work. And I'm, I don't want to say that you're never going to have instances where you feel amazing and you sound amazing and you feel amazing after you speak, but real growth, actual sustainable confidence simply doesn't get built that way. The way that you find your voice, the way that you become the woman who feels amazing in the room tomorrow is by navigating not feeling amazing in the room today. In other words, your ability to find your voice, build confidence, and feel super strong inside is going to require you to learn how to navigate discomfort and bad feelings in new ways. What many people do is they sit in a meeting and they feel discomfort and they feel the bad feeling. And what they conclude is that that discomfort and that bad feeling means that they're doing it wrong. You've done it wrong. Something is wrong with you. And they treat that bad feeling as a wall. It's like, oh, I feel bad. So I'm doing it wrong. Something has gone wrong. The journey is over. I'm not going to speak in this meeting. And what I want to offer to you and invite you to consider is that feeling uncomfortable and feeling bad looks like a wall, but it's a door. And one of the first pieces in the growth journey and one of the first pieces in your journey of building confidence is learning to see feeling bad, feeling small, feeling unworthy, feeling scared, feeling insecure, learning to see all of those things as doorways that you are being called to walk through rather than as walls that are keeping you from changing and keeping you quiet and keeping you from growing. So your first steps to finding your voice and building confidence and becoming a contributor in rooms that feel really hard for you, it's not your only first step, but it's one of your first steps, is to be able to notice discomfort and learn how to spur yourself into action even with the discomfort. To not make the discomfort be the barrier that keeps you from contributing and keeps you from bringing your voice out in the meeting. And this is why a lot of people get stuck because they enter into a meeting with an unrealistic expectation that a room or a meeting that has felt hard over and over and over should suddenly on its own not feel hard. But what's going to make it not feel hard is you changing your behavior enough times while it still feels hard that eventually your brain learns, oh, this is just a meeting and all I have to do is talk and this isn't that hard. But on your brain's path to learning that, it is going to feel hard. And it is you choosing to move towards the discomfort, to take the risk of speaking up, to do the scary thing 
that is going to be the agent of change and the thing that helps you build the confidence. Now, this isn't always what we want to hear because when we think of growth, we think, yay, positive, growth, amazing. And I want positive, amazing things. But real growth, growth that has depth, is hands down going to involve navigating hard emotions and navigating through struggle. There's no way around that. But the beautiful thing is, even though it's hard and even though it's maybe not how we would ideally want things to look in our minds, it builds resilience and agility. So if you are someone who learns how to navigate discomfort, who learns how to speak up, even when it feels really hard and really uncomfortable and you feel really, really terrified, when you are someone who does that, you have a skill set that the person sitting next to you who never struggled in meetings and never felt uncomfortable and never had to learn to navigate their own discomfort, that they don't have. When you never feel uncomfortable, you also never build emotional resilience. You don't build the ability to go into hard, scary things and learn how to support yourself, soothe yourself, have your own back. And that is an incredibly important skill. So even though this can feel hard, and even though it's definitely not fun at times, like definitely not fun, it is so wildly valuable. And so the premise that I want to share with you in the beginning part of this episode is that your confidence building journey and your journey of finding your voice will for sure require you to be in a space where you feel uncomfortable and you're feeling bad emotions and to learn how to take action, even with that discomfort present. And in this episode, I wanted to talk to you about the motivation for why you would do that. Because for us to do something uncomfortable, we need a reason why. We need a compelling reason. Otherwise, we stay in the pattern of doing the more comfortable thing, which is keeping quiet, right? The reason that you might not be contributing and might not be taking risks is because it's easier. It feels more comfortable. So how do you get yourself to do the harder thing? You get yourself to do the harder thing by having a source of motivation that motivates you on a deeper level and that is more powerful than your motivation to avoid the discomfort. You need something that you care about more that matters to you more than staying comfortable. You need to create stakes. You need to create importance. You need to create a reason. You need justification and motivation to do something uncomfortable and scary. Because it's not just about doing something uncomfortable and scary for the sake of torturing yourself. It's about doing it because there is something far more important at stake. And that is what I'm talking about in today's episode. I am talking about what is at stake and the thing that is so much more important than avoiding the discomfort. For each person, it's going to be something different. Each person is going to have their own thing that gets them excited and their own thing that like deep inside your heart is powerful enough for you to be willing to move towards discomfort. But what I'm going to offer you today are some thoughts and a little bit of structure and a little bit of a framework to help you start thinking this through to help you figure out 
What is your thing? When you are sitting in that meeting feeling awful and you know that you want to take a risk and you know that you want to do something scary and uncomfortable and your brain is telling you not to, what is the one thing that helps you fight back against your brain and say, no, this is too important to me. I'm going to do this. What is that one thing for you? And I want to share some thoughts that will help you find that one thing for yourself. So the way that I think about your motivation to speak up in a room is it really falls into just one of two kinds of motivation. There is selfless motivation and selfish motivation. Now, I'm all about both. I, in my own personal perspective, lean towards selfish motivation, and I'll be talking more about that. But I'm going to start by talking to you about selfless motivation because this is often the most powerful entry point that I see with my clients when getting them to do something uncomfortable or challenge themselves. This is the easiest way in in so many situations because for so many of us, it is easy for us and it feels really natural for us to be selfless. So there are reasons beyond you why speaking up and why contributing your perspective in a meeting matters so much. And this might feel hard to wrap your head around, but I want you to try to be open to it. No one benefits from you not contributing in a meeting. And when I say no one, I mean your colleagues don't benefit, your manager doesn't benefit, the stakeholders on your project don't benefit, the customers of whatever your company makes don't benefit. Let's say you're a doctor or a healthcare provider, your patients don't benefit. Like, I want you to think of all of the people who are impacted by you and your work. And I want to open you up to the idea that none of them benefit from you being quiet in meetings. And that in fact, the more you contribute and participate in spite of discomfort, the more benefits you create for all of those people. So even if you speaking up did not help you or benefit your career or provide you any sort of personal benefit whatsoever, I can guarantee you with full certainty that it is creating benefits for other people and that when you're not speaking up, you are robbing people of those benefits. Now, the most common thing that I hear in response to that, and you might be thinking, that's not true, Jess, because the people in the room, the other people are smarter than me. They know more than me. There's nothing that I can contribute that is going to add that much to the conversation. I'm just going to say something simple or stupid or obvious, and I'm going to embarrass myself. That's often how people will react when they think about this idea of their perspective actually benefiting the work and benefiting the project and being bigger than just them, like being more than just about them. And here's what I want to offer to you. So first of all, you do have knowledge, right? Like you do have knowledge that other people in the room don't have, even if you think you don't. But even if you didn't, I'm going to let you win on the argument that you don't know more than anyone else in the room. They have more knowledge, more expertise. You're the most junior, all the things. I'm going to give you all those excuses, even though those are not true. I'm going to give them to you to make a, a separate point. Here's how I want you to think about this. If you have two people 
going to watch a basketball game. I'm thinking of like a Lakers game, right? And one of them has a seat right on the court and they are watching, like they're in the players' faces. Like the sweat is like landing on them. They're right at the court. And one person has a seat to this Lakers game all the way up in like the nosebleeds in the highest section where you have to go all the way to the top. Both people are watching the same exact game with the same score and the same players and the same points. They have the same exact information, right? The person on the nosebleeds, even though that person has a really shitty seat (laughs) that was the least expensive and they're really far away and they cannot see the court as close up as the person who's right there on the court, does the person watching all the way up in the nosebleed section have anything to offer? Is there anything that they might be seeing even though they're not in the premium seat? The answer is yes. They're seeing the game from a completely different perspective. They're not seeing the sweat droplets and being so close to all the sneakers squeaking on the floor, but they can see the full dynamic of the game, all of the moves, right? And likewise, the person who's sitting on the court, maybe they're hyper-zoomed in and they can't see the bigger picture, but they can see the facial expressions on the players' faces, and they might be able to hear the players getting angry or saying something to each other that the person in the nosebleed section couldn't see or hear. Now, both people are watching the same game. Both people have access to the same game, but they have different perspectives. And I want you to notice, neither perspective is better or worse. They're just different because one person seeing the game from one seat and another person seeing the game from another seat. Neither is necessarily always the person who's going to have the best information or the right answer. But if you want to talk about that game, And if you're sitting in a room with the person who sat in the nosebleeds and the person who sat right in front at the court, you will benefit from having both of them share with you what they observed in the basketball game. You will not benefit from just hearing from the person who sat courtside or just hearing from the person who sat in the nosebleeds, right? And now I want you to imagine that the person who sat in the nosebleeds is thinking like, well, I don't have anything to offer. I was sitting in the nosebleeds. I watched the same exact game as that person. They have much better seats. They could see so much more closely. I'm not going to share. And in the meantime, you're robbing the other person who's wanting to learn about the game. You're robbing them of the opportunity to hear and see what you saw that the courtside person didn't see because you have stories that like your seat wasn't good enough. You're too far away. You were at the same game. Why should you contribute? Of course you should contribute. You saw things that the person on the court couldn't see. This is the same thing when you're in a room full of people who are really, really senior or have a ton of experience or really smart or or geniuses. You know, like, I don't care. (laughs) They could be like world Guinness World Record holders or Nobel Prize winners. It literally doesn't matter. No human being can occupy every single seat in the basketball stadium at once. No human can see outside of their own perspective, outside of their own biases, outside of all of the context that they bring with them into that conversation, into that work meeting that affects how they take it in and affects what ideas they're going to have. 
So each person comes in with their own unique brain and problem-solving style and resourcefulness, and you come in with that too. And everyone in that meeting room is sitting at a different seat in the basketball stadium because we all think differently, see the world differently, even if we're all watching the same game. So you saying that I have nothing to contribute is like you saying, I think and see the world in the exact same way as everyone else around me. And that simply isn't true. And so your perspective adds richness, right? When we get to hear from someone who sat right on the court and we get to hear from someone who sat on the nosebleeds and we get to hear from someone who sat like right behind the basket so that they could like see the free throws from behind, we are going to get richness. We are going to understand this game in a much better way than if the person who sat at the court just says like, oh, well, I was the closest and like I saw everything. And if everyone else is thinking like, yeah, they saw everything, like we'll just keep quiet, right? And so I want you to really think about that and think about the fact that you don't have to have more knowledge. You don't have to have more information. You don't have to have anything special to contribute something useful and unique. And even if you think you don't have as much information and you think that the people around you know more, one of the biggest errors in thinking that so many of you make is you think your manager knows more than you. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Just because someone was sitting courtside at the basketball game doesn't mean they didn't zone out and miss a huge chunk of the third quarter of the game. Doesn't mean they didn't get stuck in the line buying their popcorn and beer and like miss watching a critical part of the game that you were watching while you were up in the nosebleeds, right? It's an error in thinking to assume that we are lacking information, to assume that other people have more information. Sure, people who have been working on something longer might know things you don't know and might have expertise that you don't have, but it doesn't mean that there's nothing that you have and nothing that you know that they don't know. And that's the error that we make where we drastically oversimplify and we think courtside basketball seat, good, nosebleed basketball seat, bad. And we start thinking like a cave person, right? We're like thinking like a caveman, like good, bad. And we're forgetting how complex the world is, how complex the problems you're solving are, and how your perspective will be at some point the perspective that changes the direction of a project that changes everything. It might not happen every time, but I guarantee you, if you start becoming a voice in every single meeting that you are sitting in, eventually you will be sitting in a meeting, you will share something, and the people around you will say, oh my God, I hadn't thought of it that way. Thank you so much for raising that. And it's all about you becoming part of the conversation enough times and often enough for that moment to happen. So that's the first thing that I want to share with you, the selfless reasons. And now I want to talk about the selfish reasons, because I think as women, some of our growth work and building confidence and feeling badass is learning to be selfish. We are so conditioned and so socialized to be as not selfish as possible. And I think there is so much merit in learning how to be selfish. And so in addition to all the selfless reasons to speak up in a meeting, right, and to not assume that you don't have anything to add and to not rob your colleagues and customers and students or patients or whoever you work with and help in your job, to not rob them of the benefits of hearing your perspective. 
There are also selfish reasons to speak up in meetings. And these are what I often focus on in this show because these are the things that I didn't fully take advantage of when I started my career and I slowed myself down and I missed out on growth because of these things. So the selfish reasons to speak up are because of what it does for you, both outwardly and inwardly. Outwardly, the more you speak up, the more visibility you have. The more people remember you were in the room, remember you had something to say. People in their minds are going to think of you differently. If a leader has different people on their team, right, and they have one team member who's often speaking in meetings and one team member who's quiet all the time, they're going to think about each of those team members differently. And it doesn't matter about the quality of your work. I mean, the quality of your work matters, but the component of speaking in a meeting, if you don't speak in meetings, it doesn't matter how good your work quality is. You will not be thought of as someone who is a contributor in those rooms, as someone who has a strong perspective and a strong voice in the room. And the more senior and the more executive you get, the only place it matters is in the room. It stops mattering how much work you do and like being the person that does all the things and is like the most productive on the team. And it starts mattering what kind of presence you can have in the room. And so if you're not speaking up, you're not taking advantage of that and you're only leaning on the quality of your work product to build your reputation versus leaning on visibility in meetings and showing people that you can be a part of the conversation. and your work product suffers when you're not part of the conversation in meetings because number 1 you don't engage as deeply with the content when you know when your brain knows you can be quiet the whole meeting it is not going to focus as hard when it comes to taking in information because our brains are going to be as lazy as they can possibly get away with but also it erodes your confidence and when your confidence is eroding in meetings it impacts the work that you do and it turns into a vicious cycle where you feel less capable overall in your job, and then that makes you feel less capable in meetings. And then feeling less capable in meetings makes you feel less capable even more overall in your job, and that makes you feel even more less capable or even less capable in meetings. It turns into a vicious cycle of like competence in meetings, competence in role, competence in meetings, competence in role. They both erode and they both start declining Whereas when you start speaking up in meetings, becoming part of the conversation, showing yourself that you have something to contribute, you start to break that cycle. You start to feel better in meetings. And when you feel better in meetings, you feel better in your role. When you feel better in your role, you feel more confident. You feel freer to pursue the things you want, the roles you want, the promotions you want, the career switches you want. It's all connected. And one of the most powerful ways you can catalyze your growth and confidence and you can catalyze a shift in how you feel about your own upward mobility and your own career prospects is to challenge yourself to go into the discomfort of speaking up more often in meetings because of the benefits that it is going to offer you. And so these selfish reasons are about visibility. And the surface level selfish reasons are about visibility and your career trajectory and developing your reputation. There is a component of your professional reputation that can only be developed in meeting rooms. Yes, you can do really, really good work, and that can absolutely build your professional reputation, but only up to a certain point. 
And the rest of that is going to be based on your interaction with leaders, your interaction with other teams, and how you are in a room. This doesn't mean you need to be perfect. This doesn't mean you can never get nervous. Nerves are not as big of a problem as you might think they are. It just means you don't want to be withholding your thinking. You don't want to be keeping inside value that your brain is creating that you could be sharing with everyone around you. And so the choices you make in these meeting rooms will literally impact, they will impact what role you're in one year from now, three years from now, five years from now. They will impact how much money is in your bank account one year from now, three years from now, five years from now. What you need to think about is every meeting that you're sitting in, you need to think about what happens when I'm in this meeting and quiet 100 times. What happens when I'm acting this way for a year and then two years and then three years? What is the cumulative impact in my career, right? Because our brains often just focus on the one meeting, the one moment of discomfort, not understanding that breaking the cycle and learning how to go into discomfort means building a skill that is going to be with you for hundreds of meetings, thousands of meetings, years, decades of your career. It's going to change everything. Yes, maybe it feels terrifying and uncomfortable, but just imagine, just imagine what it's going to do for you in the long run. And so those are the outer reasons, right? It will grow your visibility. It will build a part of your reputation that can only be built in meetings. But more importantly, it's going to build a skill that lives inside of you that can never, ever be taken away. When you learn how to navigate discomfort and you learn that you can do anything, even if you feel bad and scared, your entire life changes. Like if you want to build confidence, if you want to build a rock solid confidence that is coming with you wherever you go and that is unshakable, one of the most powerful things you can learn to do is have your own back and be your own biggest supporter when you are feeling like total, utter crap and to learn how to ride that feeling and still show up as the woman who you want to be anyway. That is the single most powerful thing that I can direct you to do if building confidence and feeling strong and powerful inside is important to you. That is the one thing that changed everything for me, and it is the one thing that I see as being so powerful with the women that I support. And this isn't to say that meetings are always going to feel bad. And this isn't to say that your entire confidence building journey is about learning how to navigate discomfort. The more you navigate an uncomfortable situation, the more times you show up for yourself, the more that situation loses its edge, loses its scariness. I'm sure you can think of a situation at work or in your life that maybe used to feel really big and really charged and really, really scary. And that doesn't feel so scary anymore. And it's the same pattern with whatever thing you're struggling with. You just haven't gotten to the other side of the struggle yet. You're just in the hard, messy middle of the struggle. And so that's what I would also want to share with you is that learning to navigate discomfort and learning to speak up even when it feels hard and even when it feels scary 
is going to grow your confidence and your sense of what you are capable of doing in the world in in ways that easy things won't be able to grow it. And in my opinion, that is one of the most valuable qualities that you can develop. And that is a quality that is going to make you a way better way deeper, way more sophisticated leader who can handle the hard things, who can handle depth, who can handle challenges, right? Those are the kinds of leaders that we need more of versus people who can only be in the world of perfectionism and things working out and things being easy all of the time, right? Like we get to have things work out and we get to have things be easy and we should have so much fun and we should have lots of dance parties and like enjoy ourselves when things are fun and easy. And we don't want to be one dimensional. We don't want to be one trick ponies, right? We want to be resilient ponies (laughs) that can do all of the tricks even when we're having a not so good day. That's what it's all about. And so what I would want to give you as a takeaway for this episode is just to ask yourself this one question. What motivates me most? Am I most motivated by thinking of what speaking up can do for me for selfish reasons, which hell yes, like for me, selfish is not a bad word. (laughs) It's a good word. Or am I more motivated by thinking about what using my voice and speaking up can do for other people? And I would get really clear on what feels most pressing for you And I would grab onto that and hold onto that as the thing that you are intending to remind yourself in the moment where you are debating whether you want to do something brave or scary in the meeting. Know that your brain's going to be battling with you. Know that it's going to be hard. Know that it's going to be uncomfortable and decide ahead of time. What is my motivation going to be and what am I going to tell myself and remind myself so that my fearful brain doesn't win the battle this time. And you get to try as many times as you want. You get to fail as many times as you want. There is no timeline and no rush, even though I know often it can feel that way. And eventually you will learn and you will figure out how to shift your internal landscape and harness your motivation to help you get through the moment that you thought you couldn't get through. And when you learn how to do that, everything will start to change. That is what I want to leave you with today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want more of my content, check out my free resources page on my website, jessgazitcoaching.com slash free resources. I've got a free three-part video course on executive presence that will take you deeper into your journey of learning how to exude power, authority, and credibility in meetings. And if you're looking for one-on-one support, check out my website, jessgazitcoaching.com slash coaching, where you can learn more about working with me one-on-one to grow your confidence and take your career to the next level. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a beautiful day and I will catch you next week. Bye.